But I'm going to tell you this, we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligibles podcast. My name is Will Stone. His name is Chase Caldwell. Hayden Garland pulling the switches in the back off camera. Um, how's everybody doing? Doing well. Doing well. How are you today, Will? I'm good. Uh, you know, went to uh, the open practice yesterday, my favorite new uh, tradition that we do. Um, I'm looking here at the schedule that we're going to talk about later, and it says that we are 25 days, 21 hours, 55 minutes, and 28 seconds until New Mexico. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, just under four weeks to go. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Um, I can't believe it's already August. It kind of kind of snuck up on us, but um, I'm excited. Ready for football season for sure. And ready for cooler weather. Like, I, I know that that's like, I know everybody can say that right now probably, but man, I'm so tired of this hot it's, weather. <laughs> like, it's, so, it's so true this year, though. It's so when, true. when I think of football season, I just think of like colder weather and that just, it's just nice. You know what I mean? Austin has actually broken the record for the most hundred plus uh, degree days in a row. I think we're on close to 30 now. We're right at 30. And uh, the 10 day forecast does not show any highs less than like 102 or 104 or something like that right now. So we're smashing the record. <laughs> well, my backyard is toast. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> It's 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 not having a good time. Yeah, I, I have a random just hole that that came up in my yard from I guess the <laughs> it got so dry while I was gone that it just there's just a hole where the sprinkler head was. Um, <laughs> That's not what you want. No, not at all. I could like put my whole head in it, like it, just a gigantic hole in my yard. So gotta figure that one out. Any uh, landscaping people around my area, give me a call because uh, <laughs> I have no idea what to do about that. But yeah, if you, if you want to sponsor the program, let us know. Uh, yeah, we are we're we're open to advertisers right now. There you um, go. Also, our question of the day is: Does Waffle House have Wi-Fi? Uh, <laughs> you, you'll see that scrolled across the bottom. Uh, Hayden came in last place in our college fantasy league last year, so his punishment is to do the Waffle House challenge. Uh, 24 hours in a Waffle House. Each waffle that you eat subtracts an hour. So he's he's saying he's going to get there at 5:30 a.m. and leave by 5:30 p.m. So that's the uh, plan. I'm, I'm pulling some, for him. Some people call it a punishment. I call it a reward. I get to go to Waffle House. Alexa doesn't like it. Uh, it being Waffle House in general. So you know, I finally get to go to Waffle House, indulge as much as I can, uh, <laughs> and then probably not want to go back for quite some time. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to work. I'm hoping that they've got some Wi-Fi. I'm going to work from there, start our start our draft this year from there. So big plans, big plans. Yep. I uh, Going on any kind of like international flight, like long flight, I'll go into it being like, oh, it's just nine hours. That's not that bad. That's like a work day. And then I get like four hours into the flight. Like on the way to, to uh, 
Norway this past trip, I, I watched John Wick one, two, three, and four all in a oh row, <laughs> and then got there, and I still had like an hour to go, and I was like, "Golly, bum, come on!" I watched four movies in like, um, so yeah, I, I always and those are and those are not short movies. No, they're not. They're not. Like I've I've never seen more action in my lifetime than in that eight hour span of movie watching. Yeah. Um, I feel like Chase just wanted to humble brag about how much he flies internationally now. <laughs> no, no, that is not it at all. Not it at all. I, I, I just mean what, what I was getting at there is like, like going into it, you're like eh, eight hours, nine hours. Like that doesn't sound that bad. And then you get like four hours into it and you're like, I'm never going to be off of this flight. Like this is the <laughs> longest thing ever. So the idea of staying in a waffle house for 12 hours or potentially more, that's just contingent on you eating 12 waffles during that 12 hour period. I mean, that that's uh hats off to you. Hayden. Yeah, I think the over under is, I think the over under <laughs> is 12 and a half, but I, I, I lean to the over in terms of hours not waffles yeah. <laughs> just to be where, clear where's that 12 and a half coming from is that what you're putting it on me or is that like the the population average i'm just i'm just saying like i feel like 12 is a good goal but i don't know how attainable it is that's a waffle an hour man i can do that we'll see we'll see I, i've never known anybody to actually do this i've only seen it on the internet so uh, i'm excited to take part in that and, and witness that so me too but yeah um you guys don't want to hear about waffles for the next 55 <laughs> minutes. So we'll get into some football stuff. Uh, so yesterday, you know, open practice, it's the third year that they've, that they've had that. Um, it's something that I, that I really enjoy. I'm glad they still do it. It's become like a tradition for, for me and Brittany to, to go and have a day in college station and uh, eat at the places I want to eat and, you know, and things like that. So <laughs> we had a, we, we had a good time. Um, it's also the only day of the year that, uh, the assistant coaches will speak to the media for, for AM. So uh, the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, you know, whoever that is, uh, I think um, Elijah Robinson also spoke yesterday. Uh, it's like, aside from that day, it's just all Jimbo in the press conferences and, and the players as well. So um, uh, Petrino had 25 minutes uh, in his interview, which uh, it was all uh, very high quality stuff. So I encourage you to, uh, go listen to that uh, when you, when you have a minute. But uh, the big thing, and our friend Robert Barons wrote about this uh, in Good Bull Hunting, uh, it kind of put to bed the whole Jimbo Petrino calling place thing. <laughs> I know we we've harped on it a lot, and people are sick of hearing about it. But there's still people out there that that don't believe it. But you know, in, in Petrino's own words, he says we work hard on game planning, and then I get to go out in the game and decide on what play to call. So. Um, We'll, we'll get into some things later that, you know, seem pretty definitive on on whose offense it is. But, you know, in, in case you were still one of the non-believers, you know, I hope that that maybe helps you out a little bit. But um, that, that, that's all the, you know, Petrino Fisher uh, national media narrative that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> just, sure. But I just, just want to get that out of the way, uh, like here at the at the start of the show. And if we might dig into it a little bit more later on, but I do want to hear about open practice because last year, I don't know, you don't have very good cell reception from like Caldwell to Hutto. Like there, it's just on and off. So last year we had like 17 phone calls 
back and forth between each other on the on your way back from college station of you trying yes. to explain like what each guy was and so this year didn't talk to you on the way back so i'm i'm completely um haven't heard anything at all about it so i i, I can't wait to hear your insights what you saw what you liked you know that kind of stuff so, um, yeah, so overall so what you see yes yeah, so, so all of chase's reactions are going to be uh um live yeah live genuine doing it live that's right (laughs) but yeah so my my overall notes and uh i'll i'll kind of do big picture and then get into some position groups and things like that but um overall and i'm gonna do this y'all can hear me this is me knocking on wood can you hear that yeah (laughs) uh this team is relatively healthy it's like it doesn't matter how talented you are if all your guys are beat up Mm -hmm. and Last year at the open practice, I didn't make a big deal out of it because I figured it was mostly minor things. And they probably were, but like maybe some of those things lingered into the season and guys were in and out of the lineup. But, you know, I feel like last year there was maybe eight or nine guys, 10 guys that weren't suited up, like just in their, like in street clothes and a jersey or whatever on the sideline. Uh, didn't see that at all really this year. Just one guy wasn't in shoulder pads and a helmet. And that was uh, uh, Brown Dendy. A defensive tackle uh but once again like no sling no crutches or boot so i don't know what the nature of the injury is um maybe it's just a load management thing but uh you know don't have any insight there but um in terms of the other guys there were four other guys that didn't practice uh reuben fathery has been ramping back up uh he's got a knee thing that he got taken care of back in the spring everyone as far as that goes, everyone expects him to be fine. He'll probably be back practicing at any moment. Um, Damani has been kind of the same way, uh, but like like all these guys, Ruben and Damani, uh, Jared Kerr, they're all out there in shoulder pads and helmets, just not doing contact stuff. You know, like they're mm-hmm. doing kind of those individual position drills and you know and things like that. So, you know, it's th- that's a big thing for me. I. I it, it's why I knocked on wood. I'm very superstitious about injuries. I, I, it's the worst part of sports, but Mm -hmm. you know, so far so good on that front, but that's good. Uh, in terms of the offense, um, there's man. (laughs) So (laughs) let me just preference this, this, like everything I'm about to say here, because, uh, I don't want people to get mad at me for being, uh, on the Kool-Aid or too optimistic. Uh, this is a very, very talented team. Uh, and, and that should translate to them being a very good team and winning a lot of football games. But based on past track records, I'm trying to temper my expectations here and not be like, oh, this team is a playoff team. You know, like this team's going to, you know, they shouldn't, you know, be an underdog to anyone, but maybe LSU. And, you know, maybe that's the case, but I, I'm still in wait and see mode until I go see it. But from everything I saw yesterday, there's some very encouraging things. Um, offensively, what I wrote down was, you know, a lot of different formations when they went into, um, 11 on 11, uh, they were under center, they were shotgun, they were pistol, uh, two tight ends, uh, one tight end, five wide, uh, splitting the running back out wide, two backs and a tight end. Um, motion was a factor. Everyone talks about, you know, we need more motion. Uh, I think. I think you're, you're going to see a lot of that. They would motion Noah Thomas. They'd motion Anias, Moose, um, the tight ends. Uh, all of that was was very encouraging. And um, from, from what I could tell, you know, like they they ran a lot of – like that's a lot of what, of what Petrino does. Like he's always been a 
you know, he's going to run some under center. He's going to run some pistol. Um, he likes having two tight ends if they're capable. We have like five tight ends. So, you know, I think they're, they're good there, but I um, mean, some of the running plays like the outside sweeps and, and things like that, getting the pulling guards out there and pulling tackles, um, all that was on display. And, uh, like some of that looked really good. So, um, there were some mesh concepts. We've been dying to see that, uh, Evan Stewart <laughs> took a, uh, like he got left alone on a mesh play and, you know, Connor hit him and he took it to the house. So. Um, all of that was very encouraging. Um, yeah, I'm curious, um, just kind of going back on on what you said at the beginning of this about about Petrino's um, press conference, which again, if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. I watched all of it. I watched all of the different everybody's, you know. Um, but one of the things that I've obviously been like a little bit hard on on the Petrino hire, mainly just because I didn't like you know, the, the optics of it whenever we first hired him. Um, but, you know, it comes with, Hey, he's, he's, he's still a talented coach. One of the, one of the takeaways I felt like I had from, from watching him, um, watching his press conference, which could very well be me drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, and, and maybe wanting to see what I'm trying to see. Right. Um, but it just kind of he it really humbled him in a way, or, or made him made him a little yeah. bit more of like a like a a um, more tangible guy. Like he seemed like a, a more you know he seemed to me like a coach who has been on top of the world, doing everything at the head coach level. He's he's had a lot of fun, done his thing. And then he's, he's kind of getting tired of the rat race and maybe wanted to go back to the fun aspects of the position of, Hey, maybe if I'm just an offensive coordinator and I, I go and, and work for a team like Texas A&M that I can go back to what I enjoy doing, you know, like that's kind of what it seemed like to me, the way he kept saying, you know, this is coach Fisher's team. It's his scheme, you know, all that I'm here to enact what he's wanting to do. It just gave the impression of like, well, maybe, you know, him coming from the head coach position to an offensive coordinator position. He has that aspect of, you know what? I hated when my OCs would do this. So I'm not going to do that to Jimbo. I'm, you know, I'm just going to do my role, you know? Yeah. So so I preface all the uh, my question here to say, like, did you feel like uh, the way I took from his press conference made it seem as if, um, you know, it is more of like like Jimbo's skill seems to be in planning, and you know, obviously he had ten pages on the sideline of what his game plan going into it was, and and he kind of talked about that of like hopefully we don't have to call plays because hopefully we called it on Tuesday, you know, and we're, we're still going with our original plan if everything's going according to plan. So kind of made it seem as if, okay, well, Jimbo's the game planner, that's his skill. And Petrino is maybe like, he's better at mixing it up a little bit. He's maybe better at, you know, just going on a whim, you know, and saying, okay, well, Hey, you know, we, we need to call an audible. We need to do this. We need to do that. And um, mixing it up in the game time scenario where maybe Jimbo's creating the game plan overall and they're doing it together. 
but then right. he's running that and coming up with the added fluff that we may need to add in throughout the game. Did you get that sentiment when watching the offense? So I, I well, I think first of all, that's a great point on on all of that for, from his his press conference. Um, but in terms of watching the practice, um, you know, I, I feel like in the past couple of years, uh, like Jimbo was very, you know, hands on with the quarterbacks and with the offense and things like that. And he he was still like he stayed with the ones and with the offense the entire time. But, you know, he's maybe stood back a little bit and, you know, Petrino's talking to the quarterbacks maybe a little bit more than Jimbo is, you know, and, and things like that. So um, I think, you know, what he said, and I think, you know, we as fans sometimes have a, a distorted view of what offenses and play calling really is. And like, like Petrino said in his press conference yesterday, he's like, by the time the game rolls around, like the plays are already kind of called. He's like, we, like we're mm-hmm. like, hey. These are our third down and one plays. These are our long distance plays, like the, like all that kind of stuff. So it's just you know, I think it it, it is going to be on him to dial up the right ones and which ones he thinks are, are going to work. But uh, yeah, it's like you said, you know, it's Jimbo, it's Petrino, it's Jim Cheney, like the three of them, or James Coley. You know, they're you know scouting, game planning, and you know putting together a plan of attack basically. And right. on Saturday, it's they're like, hey. Bobby, you know, go out there and execute it um, and, and call the right plays. Uh, so I, it was tough to, to take away too much from practice, but um, I I wholeheartedly believe that that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, what I don't understand is people that say, you know, um, like from watching practice, like people will say, um, you know, if if we're if we're not clicking on all cylinders right out of the gate or like if we have a, a slow start here or a bad half there on offense, is Jimbo just going to take it back over? Well, we've practiced this other offense this entire time. So I don't think Jimbo's going to just say, hey, scrap all of that stuff. We're going to do my offense now and just, you know, and he's like, and just take it back. Like that, that that's not, that's not realistic. That's not going to happen. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a tale of two offenses, really. I, I, I think you're, <sighs> um, Petrino said something about, he said something about he and Jimbo would go back and watch film of what they did back at LSU in 1984. You know, yeah, I heard him say and, that. And like, <laughs> like, like, to me, I love analogies, so I'm going to try to create an analogy here. Go for of it. like, I like, I feel like Jimbo is the old like classic song. Like he's good. Like, like it's a good stable track, right? And then Petrino's job is to come in and sample it into a new song. You know, it's like, okay, let's let's take this song that was good and sample it and make a new song out of it. That's yeah. kind of like like how I view it of, you know, you're adding some additional elements to what we already have to liven it up and make it brand new, right? Instead of it being, hey, here's, here's Petrino's offense, here's Jimbo's offense, and then they're just going to clash all the time and it's going to be crazy. I think instead it's Jimbo saying, okay, here's what I want to do. It's obviously not working for me. And Petrino says, well, yeah, because you're not feeding your studs. You know, you got to yeah. feed your studs and, and here I can help you with that. You know, you should be calling this play twice as much and you should be doing this. And um, that self-scouting aspect of it, I think is, is good to where that's how I kind of envision this relationship going and and that's kind of why i ask that is just from the little bit that you said about 
the offense, it sounds like you saw some fingerprints of Petrino um, more so than what, what you might have seen last year, you know. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like I, I've like in, in the offseason, like in the past few months, I've kind of gone back and, you know, I've watched a little bit of tape from like uh, from you know his Arkansas days uh, when he was at Western Kentucky. Um, and then when he was at, at Louisville, especially the game where he uh, he scored like 60 on Jimbo's Florida State team. Um, and there's some like similar like that's three like the, the quarterbacks are all three like way different different players. But a lot of those basic concepts are the same. And uh, I think one highlight on the offense that I do want to kind of emphasize here is, you know, a lot of folks are uh, excited about the uh, passing aspect of our offense, and they should be. And we're going to get into that. They should be very excited about that. But this team is going to run the ball really, really well. And because that's what that's what Petrino loves to do. He's, he's always done well at it. And he's got the the horses and the talent to to do that really well for, for us. So, um like, don't think we're just going to come out here and just, you know, throw the ball, you know, 50, 60 times a game. It's going to be very balanced and uh, and very effective, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, definitely want to iterate that. And uh, that's kind of what, you know, from you know, going back to the spring game and, and seeing yesterday, you know, uh, I think Jimbo used to be kind of an under center guy, but we haven't really run that very much since he's been here. And, you know, they repped that a lot yesterday and, you know, they repped, you know, uh, the, the two tight end look, uh, the receivers, you know, kind of rotated in and out a little bit, um, two running backs, fullback. Sometimes he ran a fullback dive yesterday. I haven't seen that. in you know, since, since like the early two thousands, probably, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, um, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. And, uh, and like we said, I think that relationship is it's gonna be really strong. I feel I feel silly for for knocking the higher at first. It's kind of like what you, what you said about the optics. You know, like yeah. when you first hear that, you're like, oh, like this, that's what we, like, like that's who we hired. We could have hired anybody. We hired, you know, Petrino. He's got all this baggage, but you know, everything I've heard and learned, you know, it just seems like this is a really really good fit, and they get along really well. Um, yeah. So I, I'm excited to see it on on game day. But uh, yeah, I think overall, like we we really you know as a fan base kind of didn't really jump into that higher with with yeah. both feet but um i don't know i feel like i'm i'm ready to give the guy a chance and uh, that's who we're going with that's who we're going with and yeah. and so the way that he handled that press conference and went about it gave me a lot more confidence that yeah that we're going to see what we want to see out of it um and i'm i'm excited to hear from you that there was so much about um so many different you know, personnel groups and um, just you saw a lot because that that's part of like Jimbo's whole deal that I, I feel like he's not good at. Like I feel like yeah. he has he could draw up some great plays, but I just don't I never have felt like he get he could get too creative where it's like, OK, yeah, we have these seven tight ends that are fantastic and we're writing we're running a one tight end set every time you know and we're trying to get them playing time by subbing them in as a fullback instead of just running two tight ends in some plays you know it just seems seems like he's not as good at mixing it up like that and and so hopefully hopefully we'll see more of that yeah no um uh it's 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 very exciting for me and you know it kind of goes back to i'm trying to contain my excitement for you know because right now um per per sp plus uh 
and is, is projected to have the number two defense. I, I don't really believe that. I think it's probably overstating it, but our offense is projected like 66th, you know, and I think that's yeah. going to be a big, I, I think it's probably a top 20 offense at the end of the day when it's all said. And I hope done. so. <laughs> um, and maybe I'm being too optimistic, but you know, uh, from from what I saw, we'll get into some some players. Yes. Oh, actually, first thing. Yeah. So defense. tell tell me who tell me who jumped out to you, or or go defense. Where where would you rather go? So I've only got I've only got one thing on defense. Well, okay. Like like, like big picture wise, uh-huh. um, I saw zero three man fronts yesterday. Just want to put that out That's there good. to to calm the to calm the masses of the of the Aggie fan base. There was maybe one or two instances where the defensive ends. Like we're in a two point stance, you know, with a hand like hand off the ground, but it was the same. It's the same four down linemen that we had. Just one of them was standing up, mm-hmm. and like you know, that's it. So uh, I didn't see. I'm not saying that we're not going to run any. I'm just saying in this practice, they did not practice that yesterday. <laughs> so sure. yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll start with quarterbacks. Um, so still a competition as of today. Uh, Connor and Max are rotating days with the ones this was Connor's day with the ones which I was excited to see I think he's still the the favorite to win the job um his connection with Evan Stewart is uh very strong um so like they they start out kind of uh um like they'll match up a receiver and a DB and like at first like it's not really the DB's covering him it's like the receiver kind of gets a head start and the DB kind of chases uh, mm-hmm. obviously Evan and all the receivers did really well at that. We have, we have some pretty good speed, but after that, it's like, Hey, like, like, this is like a one-on-one, you know, like you're manned up on Evan or Noah or whoever, and you yeah. have to cover him. And, uh, even then, uh, Evan, uh, like he was already so good last year. I think he's gotten better. Um, he, he, he tracks the ball real well. And there were some of those throws where, uh, it's like Connor just went out there and handed it to him with the way he placed it. So, I think that's super exciting. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't all perfect. I don't want to make it seem like Connor was perfect. There was a, a couple of throws in the middle of the practice where uh, the throw was maybe like a little bit behind the receiver, and more often than not, the receiver still caught. It. I think they caught it, you know, probably the vast majority of the time. But there's just a couple where I'm like, man, like I don't want the receiver to have to, you know, kind Come of back reach back, yeah, sure. things like that. But it, uh, it it was like, you know maybe three or four times here and there, like not mm-hmm. like every pass was off. So really and truly there was only one pass. Like there's one deep ball that kind of drifted out of bounds where Evan couldn't get to it. But besides that, everything else was, was, was pretty, was pretty uh, uh, fantastic for, for Connor. And, and Max had a good day too. Um, yeah. he, ran, he was with the, he ran with the twos a lot. So I was more focused on the side of the field that had the ones but mm-hmm. when I looked up, you know, Max was doing good things. Um, good thing, good note on both guys. Neither one threw an interception yesterday. Um, in the past years, you know, I've like all the quarterbacks have thrown picks and I just chalked it up to, you know, let's practice, you know, not a big deal. But um, it's it's kind of nice to see your quarterbacks not making mistakes, even in practice. So, um, yeah, absolutely. That's a positive. And uh, both guys were, were not hesitant at all to uh, take off and run when it was there. So, you know, there, there were cases where, you know, when they went like 11 on 11, where uh, our guys were just covered up, you know, and, and Connor would see an opening and he would tuck it and run. And uh, I think that's something that we've kind of been begging for. And 
you know, yeah. he's he's got the talent to take advantage of that sometimes. Well, I think that's a strength. I think that's where, um, and this goes back to kind of what I was saying about Jimbo of it's, in my opinion, I don't think Jimbo's as good at like there's these obvious designed quarterback runs instead of it being more of a, you know, a read option or, um, you know, really, really like where guys like Connor and, you know, those like him excel, they don't, they don't excel from like Johnny Manziel didn't excel from running the option and he didn't excel from running a, you know, design quarterback run he excelled from making two reads didn't see anybody open took off running down the field you know like that's that's where those guys excel whenever you know the defense is in in um obvious passing down they're in pass protection and you you got nothing so you take off running and so now to to create that in a game or in a practice atmosphere really hard um, especially whenever normally you're not going to want your quarterbacks getting touched during practice. Uh, you don't want people falling over each other, and that's what happens with guys like that. So it's harder to to point that out there. But I have a feeling that that um, Petrino will will be better at, yeah. at doing that, um, designing plays for that. Anyways, um, what did you see? Like, was there any? Was there any receivers or, or skill positions at, at uh, oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> these who, uh, who stood out? Yeah, so uh, to attack onto that, um, uh, Hayden asked a question uh, pre-show, uh, like what was something that I saw that excited me? Um, the running backs and the receivers, uh, I think individually and collectively, are probably the best units we've had there in a a long, long time, and not to take away from anything we've done. Like obviously a chain is probably the best single running back we've had lately, but mm-hmm. just as, as a group, there's, you got three guys that are just total studs. Um, Ruben Owens, you're, you're going to hear every outlet talk about the day he had uh, really put on display his, his speed and uh, his ability to, to, you know, stop on a dime and make cuts. There was one play and I know like people are going to talk about the run defense because, you know, like when in, in practice, like when when one team when one side does really well, the other side, you know, didn't do well. <laughs> you know, it's a zero sum game. Sure, but uh, you know they're not tackling to the ground. There's a lot of you know hand touching and, and and stuff like that. But uh, there was one one run where I don't think Ruben Owens got touched. Uh, it was an outside run, and uh, like the the blocking was there. It was it was it was blocked really well, and he just had the speed and the and to just kind of snake his way through the defenders. And I don't think anybody ever laid a hand on him. And it was a touchdown, like a 40 yard run. Wow. So uh, that was impressive. Uh, he caught the ball really well. He spent most of the day with the, so like that was kind of in like a combined setting where he was kind of with the ones he spent most of the day with the twos. And every time I'd look over to that field, it felt like he was in the end zone. Um, so like his, it's going to be tough to keep him off the field. And like, we don't really know what the share is going to be like between carries, but um, Le'Veon Moss had a great, a great practice. I, I thought um, he had one where uh wasn't untouched, but, you know, had a good strong run that he was able to score on, uh, you know, without them like wrapping him up. 
uh, and some other tough carries. Um, Amari Daniels, you know, had a couple of, of nice runs in there. But, um, you know, I think all three of those guys are super exciting. But I, I came away re- really impressed with Ruben. Um, in terms of receivers, uh, I, I'm, I'm ready to buy into the Noah Thomas hype. Um, he's been like the one guy that everybody's brought up, you know, going back to January. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's really freaking good. Uh, he? He's good. He's six foot six, um, you know, 200 pounds, huge catch radius. Uh, if if the ball gets anywhere near him, he's going to come down with it. Uh, he he made a really impressive like on, on, there was one catch he made. I thought he didn't. I thought he dropped it. But uh, like everyone clapped and look back over there and he had the ball. And I was like, oh, crap, I thought he dropped that one. <laughs> uh, but he was like like he was double covered. He had like a corner on him and a safety coming over and uh, he just went up and got it. But um, he's. Yeah, he, he he belongs on the field, you know, as as much as possible. Um, he he was he was one of the ones where like they would send him in motion sometimes to, you know, kind of uh, see what the defense was doing if they were in man or zone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, he was just he was super impressive. Um, and as impressive as he was, I still think that Evan is our best receiver. Um, Evan just he's he's got it, man. You know, like he's gonna be yeah. a a first round pick one day at receiver. Um, so like between, between those two, um, they had probably the best days. Uh, I didn't really see hardly anything bad from, from either one. Uh, Moose didn't, didn't get it as, as much run, but uh, still looked like Moose, like still looked really, really good when he uh, was throwing the ball. Um, he had like, he had one of the throws I was talking about where Connor was a little bit behind, but, um, he, ca- he, he caught it, you know, he's got the best hands on the team, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he just turned up field, you know, like on a, on a dime and, and chewed up some yards. Um, Anaya Smith is still here. And so like, yeah. we've got like, those three who are incredible. Talking about all these guys and, and not even mention him because we already know how good he is, you know? It's, yeah. It, so that, that's awesome. Yeah. And like, I think for the most part, like when they went, when they went two tight ends, uh, the two receivers were typically Evan and, and Noah. And then, you know, they would throw Moose in there, throw Anais in there. I think they ran like a jet sweep to Anais. Uh, and he, you know, uh, did really well on that. But um, he had some nice catches as well. So um, really all, all, all around good uh, from those four. Uh, they got some depth, though. Uh, the transfer from uh, Grand Valley State, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Jade Walker. His nickname, his nickname is All Day, so uh, Jade All Day Walker. Um, big kid, uh, probably you know pushing six foot four, uh, and pretty well filled out. You know, probably two ten or so. Uh, runs really well and and caught the ball really well. Uh, that's something that that kind of surprised me a bit to you know see him on the same side of, of the field as the ones. Mm-hmm. And he was rotating in just as much as Moose or, or Anias was. That's good. Um, I think I think they really like what they got with him. Um, another guy is, is Mike Atis. He was with the twos pretty much the whole day, but um, he had a really nice day. There was one uh, on a comeback route where, where Max placed it perfectly, and he ran a perfect route and had a big a big gain there. But um, I'm telling you, like between between all of that, like when you factor in Petrino and what I think Connor can be with these backs and receivers, it's just so like the, the ceiling is so high for the offense. Um, it's, it's hard to not be, you know, really optimistic about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's wonderful to hear. I mean, what'd you, what'd you see on the offensive line? 
so um a, a lot of uh uh other places are are uh you know talking about how the o-line had a a little bit of a rough day and um you know in in one-on-ones uh which i think is kind of skewed towards the in the defense's favor because mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're, they're just lining up and rushing like they don't have to worry about like what play it is or anything yeah and same same with like one-on-ones when it's receivers versus corners like it's yeah it's not it was almost not fair you know yeah and there's a like there's a lot of room you know for uh, like an inside move if you set out if you set too wide like it's easy to get beat inside and that happened mm-hmm. a couple times but um yeah I'm, I'm i'm really impressed by uh so so, so fathery was out uh so not taking part in in these kind of drills but uh chase basantis was in his place at right tackle um he had a really strong day i thought he, he got beat by shamar turner uh you know a time or two but i mean i think shamar turner may be a breakout player this year so yeah, uh, not too down about that. In, sure. in, in the t- in the team drill, or in eleven on eleven, you know, the the battles were a lot more even, and mm-hmm. you know, Basantis was able to hold off Shamar Turner, you know, uh, in, in good in good stretches. Um, the interior, I think, is I think is very very strong, and I think we really struggled with the interior O line last year. Um, you know, Foster only played a handful of games. Um, I don't think Layden was ever healthy the whole year. We had four different guys play left guard for us. So um, between I, – I thought Layden looked like his old self, which is very, very encouraging. Um, Bryce Foster looked good. Uh, Cam Dewberry looked really, really good. Uh, Mark Naboo is kind of this utility guy that is good enough to start, but there's not really a place for him to go right now. Uh, but he's just as good as any of the other starters, you know, on the O-line. Heck, mm-hmm. there, there was there was a time where Basantis went down with a knee. He, he he ended up being fine. He actually went back in later, but um, he had to come out for a little bit. So they put Naboo at right tackle, and he did fine. You know, like he just kind of can can do a little bit of everything. Um, That's good. Uh, Trey Zoon, you know, uh, he's finally fully healthy. Um, he was going against Fadil Diggs. Uh, actually, won, he won the first rep against Diggs, was able to kind of force him outside and, you know, make him, uh, you know, and go the long way around the quarterback and and keep him off of him but uh you know like he was one in the one-on-ones where you know set a little bit too wide and Fadil was able to work back inside pretty easily um but you know all in all I think there's once you get Ruben back you know I think there's a lot of really good you know there's good talent there's good like high-end talent and experience there and there's good depth that we haven't had and I don't like years you know so yeah. I, I feel really good about that like we can probably you know you don't want any injury but if you have if you have one you've got some guys that can you know keep it from being too much of a drop off um sure. but uh i'll touch on tight ends real quick um uh donovan green's working back from an injury so he was with the twos most of the day at least i think i think that's why he was with the twos um kind of like reuben owens i would glance over there and he's making a big play like he's just ripping up the the number two defense. Uh, the guys that took all the reps with the ones were Jake Johnson and uh, Theodore Orstrom, uh, the kid from Sweden, and um, mm-hmm. he looks he looks uh, incredible. Good uh, from a, a from a size standpoint. Um, uh, him and Jake didn't just like like set the world on fire and make like these sick catches or anything like that, but they were like they both made some some really nice plays. Uh, they they blocked really well. You know, like they would, like they would put them in motion, and you know, and things like that. So, um, I think you got three guys there that 
they probably they probably feel pretty comfortable with and they're, they're all from that same class um sure. Jaden platt the freshman tight end uh looks very very promising uh physically so um i think there's a lot to to be excited about there really you know this all sounds like sunshine and rainbows and i'm trying not to make it sound like that but you know <laughs> on the offense you know and, and especially you know it i think the one the one pitfall could be offensive tackle like mm-hmm. you need Ruben healthy, you need Zune to uh, play to his play to his potential and bounce back. Um, I don't know what they do with Basantis if they like. You don't want to throw a true freshman in the mix if you don't have to, but you know if he's called upon, I think he'll perform well. So um, it's I'm really trying hard to to temper things on offense, but it's just there's too much talent there for it to not be good. Yeah, well that's that's good to hear. I mean I, I think that's it's been that way for a while, you know, it's been, and, and I think, I think we've all collectively known that there's a lot of talent there on offense, but for some reason there was just something missing that it wasn't getting put together. And yeah. I, I'm hoping that that's where um, you see Petrino come in and put it together, create yeah. new avenues for, for that to be there. Um, did you see anything on defense that, that jumped out to you? Was there any, any guys, um, I know it sounds like you were watching a lot of the offense. Well, yeah, you're watching um, both, but but yeah, you know, it's like you said, it's a zero sum game. It's hard to say like, <laughs> uh, oh, you know, the the defense got a sack. Oh, good for the defense. You know, that we have a great defense. Oh, the quarterback threw a touchdown. Oh, we have a great offense. You know, it's hard. Yeah. To, <laughs> it's hard to self scout that way, but um, right. still, I like. To me, I look at you mentioned earlier that SP Plus says that that we're the number two defense out there. I mean, that's that's incredible. I, I think for me, it's more of like we know going into this year that we've got a really strong, good defense. Like, there's yeah. no question. So, if these offensive players are making plays and and really showing out in practice against what we already know is a good defense. That's a promising sign. Um, right. Again, but there again, they do go against each other in practice every day. So it could have been the day before defense did 10 times better than offense. Right. And it's so right. like, there's always that give and play too. Um, yeah. So what stood out to you from, from the defensive side of the ball? Yeah. So a, a couple things. And uh, I think this first one's more of just a note kind of, uh, in general about the, uh, the true freshman class. Um, we, we, we talked about the, about that class of guys coming in and I think it finished, it finished up, up, it finished up ranking like maybe 15 or 16. Um, there's not anybody from that class that looks like they don't belong. Um, I'm not saying they're all going to be studs, but, um, and I'm not going to call anybody out here, but there's been times in the past where I would like, like there was a, a player or two that, like you saw him in practice and you were like, yeah, I'm not sure if that guy's ever going to play here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, you know, they, they usually didn't end up playing here. So, yeah. um, like, uh, t- to go back to Hayden's question, you know, he asked uh, something that I didn't expect to see that I did see. And that's, um, uh, the freshman defensive backs, uh, look very strong. Um, I think it was, uh, 24 seven had kind of put out there last week that, uh, the outside corner position was going to be a very contested battle uh, between Tony Grimes um, and Josh DeBerry 
from Boston College. Uh, so Josh DeBerry was, um, you know, he kind of played more nickel, I think, at Boston College. Uh, he was the starter at outside corner yesterday, uh, opposite, like with the ones, um, opposite Tyreek Chappelle. Um, and then the next man up was Javon Thomas, a true freshman from uh, South Oak Cliff. Uh, really? He looked really well, just a super fluid athlete, um, just re- really nice looking player. Uh, we talked about on the last show, you know, it's not uncommon for us to see a freshman corner, you know, mm-hmm. come in and and, st- and get get starter reps and, and really play well. So uh, that might be Javon Thomas this year, you know, if he uh, continues to improve. But uh, really, really, I would say historically at a and I, I think really going back over the last 10 years, I bet you could probably point to a true freshman every single year that played on DBs. Definitely more often than not, you know. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you think like – like even it, like if you plug safety into that mix, then, yeah, then you definitely could probably come up with one every single year. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, uh, and, and, and like we said, like they're, they haven't even scrimmaged yet. They're still playing with the lineups. And, uh, so I think Tony Grimes was with the twos most of the day. So, uh, I didn't see, like, I, I didn't see a ton of his reps. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, as far as, you know, the rest of the secondary, um, I thought DeBerry played well, uh, Javon Thomas looked good when he got in the game. Uh, Tyreek, um, Bryce Anderson, obviously, uh, Jacoby, Jarden Gilbert, like all those guys played really well. Uh, with with Damani being out, your starting safeties were uh, Jacoby Matthews and uh, Jarden Gilbert. So um, both of them got a lot of reps. So uh, Dalton Brooks was at nickel. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he's one of the true freshman DBs. Um, he's a, a nice looking player. So uh, excited about him. Uh, as far as linebackers go, uh, I thought that Edrin Cooper was super impressive, uh, especially when it came to coverage. Um, he was all over those tight ends and running backs, uh, and, and constantly breaking up passes, uh, could say the same for Martrell Harris. Uh, he got quite a bit of playing time with the, with the ones a little bit. Um, and, uh, and Chris Russell did some nice things in the, in the run game, I thought, but, uh, definitely came away thinking, you know, uh, that Edrin Cooper is is primed to have a big year, uh, which I hope he does. You know, I, I said the same thing last year. I was impressed with him at practice. So um, hopefully he's uh, you know he's he's figured it out and can really you know be be consistent with it because you know he's he's super talented. Yeah. Um, I'll finish up with everyone's favorite, the defensive line. It's just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what I can add about this unit. Um, there's just speaking of units, uh, uh, Samu. Uh, I can't say his last name. His first name is Samu. His last name is like Tamanu Pepe from uh, Atascacita or somewhere in mm-hmm. Houston. <laughs> but uh, he was 400. I, th- I think his family was sitting right behind us because they were always looking for him. Uh, you can't miss him. He's he's this daggum wide. <laughs> but, uh, he was 400 pounds in high school. He's cut down. I don't know what he weighs now. I bet he's probably 370 or 365, you know, somewhere in that range. But um moves extremely well for a guy that big uh and you know like pretty much everyone that wasn't a freshman was with the ones so like like samu david hicks and uh like some of those other guys like they were with kind of like the the twos and 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 other units and things like that but uh we saw some one-on-ones where samu looked really good uh he moved really well um david hicks the five-star freshman uh, he looked absolutely outstanding. Um, probably looked yeah. the, the best in the one-on-ones, which sounds weird to say. 
but uh it's not just like like physically he's very impressive um i know like he was kind of a tweener but he's definitely going to be a an inside guy defensive tackle really uh, he's already grown he, he's definitely grown into that already so um but what was so impressive was uh his aggression that he played with <laughs> uh-huh. i guess i'll say just that kind of that like just playing angry and aggressive and his his array of his, i guess his arsenal of uh pass rush moves uh, is already very advanced so um I, I i said in the d-line show i didn't i didn't know if we'd see a true freshman get reps this year uh he may just be too good to keep on the bench you know he he may just be the guy that you have to get in there and play but sure um and you know like all like all the other guys you know and, uh, it's hard to even name them all but uh I, th- I thought mckinley looked you know he looked outstanding you know definitely the the cream of the crop um and definitely the leader in that group uh he was kind of taking some young guys under his wing and um and, and encouraging some guys and things like that so you know he's kind of he's kind of the anias of the defensive line like that veteran guy that's played a lot of football and uh, that we're very glad to have back because he definitely could have gone to the draft. So I'm um, excited about him, you know, Fadil Diggs, Walter Nolan, um, Shamar Stewart, like they're, they're all in fantastic shape. Uh, and it was, it was tough to, to, to gauge it because like I said, all those guys for the most part stayed with the ones they would just rotate them in and out, you know, constantly. But there was one part of practice where they put Walter with the twos for God knows why uh but i would i would i would peek over there every now and then he's just blowing up the number two a line <laughs> like it was just like uh, if 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 he was allowed to, to tackle the quarterback he would have got a sack you know pretty much every play so um but uh the other defensive ends like malik silla eni white uh overton like they all showed flashes and um there's just there's gonna be a healthy rotation there's just there's too many guys to not to not rotate them in i probably missed somebody but you guys already know that yeah, yeah I mean, you don't have to say everybody's name. It's, it's yeah. just uh, that's awesome. I mean, it, it, but that just goes to show like the amount of talent and and excitement and what why it would be a year to be excited, even if you know rose-colored glasses aside. Like the, we got a lot of talent on paper, and and from what it sounds like in person. Um, it's a good year to have some rose-colored glasses, you know. It's a good yeah, year to yeah. drink the Kool-Aid. So. Yeah. There, there was one guy I've, I meant to mention that I didn't say yet, but that's uh, J.D. Davis at linebacker. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly played with the the twos and threes, but there was one play where he lit up one of the running backs. I was like, damn. I was like, it's a nice hit right there. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> definitely some, uh, you know, like, like I thought every position had some highlights. And, um, you know, maybe – maybe some depth at linebacker. Um, we'll, we'll see about the other corner spot and uh, about the offensive line and things like that. But um, th- this roster is, 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 is very much loaded, I would say. And uh, at this point we have to go out and see him do it, but yeah. Um, Let's just hope that, that having that indoor will help us have a, a um, nice, healthy fall camp, you know, with yeah. the heat the way it is, it's worrisome, yeah. but uh, I've heard that the indoor is really nice. So, yeah, um, well, I, I, I saw today that they were back in the indoor, and I guess like I, like I don't know what their schedule is. This was their this was their sixth day in a row. Uh, today was, um, but they were back in the indoor today. So I'm sure they have a day off coming up at some point. Yeah. Um. But 
Yeah, like, like I think like we said, you know, uh, once they start scrimmaging and things like that, it'll start sorting itself out, and you'll see like, hey, like these guys are, are probably you know in the in the true too deep, and and, and we'll kind of go from there. But For um, sure. you know, our 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 plan was to uh, get into the schedule. Uh, I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to spend. I was uh, I was about to ask Hayden how we were on time. <laughs> <laughs> we were running long, but I wanted to let Will try and name the roster from memory. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> he can do it. Let me tell you. Um, how are we on time, though? We're at fifty-one minutes. Yeah. Right now. So I'd say, like, instead of maybe, maybe we can do like a general overview, and then maybe next next uh, episode we oh, can we really go. break down the overall schedule. But just yeah. kind of, you know, thirty thousand foot perspective, first impressions of the schedule, what we're what we're looking at. Um, I think we could do that. Yeah, so I've got one thing that comes to mind, um, at least in terms of, like you know, it, it, like the overall schedule. Uh, when I look at it, um, which you have to do sometimes, you got to look at it. Uh, there's, you know, in past years we'd be like, oh, you know, like, like Bama's probably a loss, you know, or or Clemson's a loss, or like LSU, like oh, that's probably a loss. Um, there's not anybody where I'm like, oh yeah, we're definitely going to lose that one, you know. Like it's just, and we'll get into it specifically, but with the state of the other teams, I think there's a lot of good teams on the schedule and a couple of really, really good ones. But I don't think any of these guys are elite. You know, like like Bama, mm-hmm. I know it's it's like hearsay to say this, but uh, they're not what they've been. You know, like this is, this is probably the worst Bama team that we've seen in uh, over a decade, or pr- yeah. probably longer than that. Probably more like, 12, 14 years, however long Saban's been there. Um, and they could totally prove me wrong and they could go out and, you know, make the playoff and win the whole thing. But um, I don't know, man. You look at it and it's – we talked about it before the show started. It's very manageable. You know, there's not a lot of – Very manageable. You know, there's no back-to-back road games. You know, you do get Bama at home. Uh, you know, the – like going to LSU is always tough. But for the most part, you know, it's – it's it's far from the hardest thing we've we've seen before you know absolutely i mean even like like when you look at our our more difficult games that we do have um you look at maybe arkansas arkansas we're sandwiched between they're they're at lsu then they play us at jerry world then they're at ole miss then they're at alabama so we're the second in a gauntlet of four teams four away games for them were the second one and um them coming from lsu to play us like that that's a that's beneficial whenever we're coming from a home home game against auburn you know so um yeah. i that's that jumps out to me it really i mean i i mentioned to you i think i think that that middle of the schedule arkansas alabama tennessee um that's really the to me like what's going to make or break our season um but that's very manageable like i i feel like to your point i feel like alabama's very manageable this year i i don't think that they're don't get me wrong i'm not saying that oh yeah it's a it's a toss-up but i mean they were they were good last year they weren't i don't think as good as their previous teams have been um we still lost to them on the two yard line. Like it, it, it 
one catch and we would have won that game. So um, really, I think that's what Jimbo has done for that. Maybe we don't give him enough credit for as a coach is there's no such thing as Goliath for us anymore. Like every, every team that we play is, is mortal. Like the, yeah. we can, we can beat any Alabama is not this looming, you know, team that is impossible to beat. Neither is LSU, you know, and, and for the longest time, that's how like you could judge how much somebody had drank the maroon Kool-Aid if they said that this was the year we were going to be at LSU, or if they said that, um, you know, I think we got, I think we got Bama this year, you know, like if, if you said that, you know, one of those two teams or both of those two teams, you said that we were going to be both teams. Nobody would even listen to what you were, were saying, you know, because we created this idea that they were these majestic, like impossible teams to beat. I think Jimbo's really, really brought that wall down to where, yeah, these are very man manageable teams, great teams, but they're not, we can still go toe to toe with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um to uh, go back to, to SP plus a little bit. Um, uh, Bill Connolly did a preview of the sec West and I think there's, he had six of the seven in the top, in his top 25. Um, like just from a like a, a power rating standpoint, and um, he was like, "Yeah, this is an absolute bloodbath." Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's high on AM's defense, but I think we're projected to win like seven point two games uh, according to, to you know to his analytics. Uh, it's probably because our offense is so low, but mm-hmm. um, like these like these are not bad teams. I mean, like no, like like Auburn took like twenty some odd transfers, and they got Hugh Freeze at the helm now. You know, he's a great coach. Um, you know, Arkansas has got KJ Jefferson, you know, uh, and Rocket Sanders, two great, great players on offense. You know, Bama's Bama's Bama. Um, Tennessee, you know, really strong year last year. Yeah, tough offense. But, like, there's no one on here where I'm like, oh, like that team sucks. You know, like, we're going to go and mop the floor with them. Yeah. But there's no team where I'm like, oh, yeah, like, they have a really big advantage and we're going to really struggle to beat them, you know? Sure. I, I'm curious to see what Mississippi State's going to look like this year. Um, you know, no fault of their own, but and and just with the loss of the Pirate, I don't know how good they'll be. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see that. Um, Miami's going to be a, a good team. You know, they they were they were decent last year, and um, I think I think that'll be a that'll be a fun one for sure. Um, but even South Carolina, I mean, South Carolina in in several years past has been, been the pushover team, but, uh, Shane Beamer's really, really got them trending upwards, you know, at a good time. And so that, that definitely won't be a pushover game. Um, however, that's, uh, that's, um, Halloween weekend, uh, at Kyle field. So. What if it was the return of the Aggie Knights, you know? <laughs> that was for South Carolina originally, right? Yeah. That's funny. Could be. Um, 11 a.m. I think maybe the trickiest game here that I don't really have a handle on is at Ole Miss. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Feels like we should have beaten them last year. Uh, I, I can't stand Lane Kiffin. Um, I, I can't stand that he's beaten us two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he tweets about us uh, every every hour on the hour, it seems like. Um, so it, it, I, I guess along that along that note, is there a game on here that you see as a must win? Like, like obviously, like you like they're all must wins. But is there one where you're like, man, we really, really cannot lose that one or it's going to screw, you know, it's going to screw things up? It's a good question. I I think if I had to pick, I'd pick Miami just because it's it's so early, you know. And yeah. Like, like if we go out and and you know, beat New Mexico by 70 points, like no one's going to care. But mm-hmm. if we go and and lose at Miami, you know, that early in the season, people are going to be calling for Jimbo's job and like it's going to be just non-stop in the national media and mm-hmm. uh I just can't. I can't. I can't stomach that right now. It's gonna piss me off. So, um, that's say, that's my that's my can't lose game of the year. <laughs> I'd say I I kind of have two for two very different similar reasons, but um, I'd say either Auburn slash Arkansas. So I guess I'm, I just said two. I'm give you, gonna give you three, uh, <laughs> but really, really, I would probably say Arkansas um, yeah. is a game that we must win. And um, in the same way, South Carolina, like I, I, both of those games are positioned in, in such a way that, you know, Arkansas stands in the way of us being five and O going into Bama and Tennessee, you know, Um, South Carolina stands in the way of, uh, let's pretend for a second that we go to South Carolina seven and O, you know, that's after um, the buy. So like, uh, hey, like, let's make sure we got our stuff together. Yeah. So, um, you know, you wouldn't want to. Those are hard. Th- those are very pivotal games, simply because I mean, think picture for a second that we, you know, are undefeated going into Tennessee, when, then we beat Tennessee, and then, you know, we barely lose to Alabama, and then we get ranked fourth in the college football playoff, and then we just blow it to Mississippi state. Right. Right. And then everybody forgot how good we are for, for the rest of the season because it just blew our whole season up. Yeah. That's, that's where South Carolina stands that, I mean, we could, we could be seven and O going into South Carolina and still end up seven and five if we don't win that game. Um, so really that's probably the number one, but that's contingent on that. We're going into them with a solid, you know, record, um, Arkansas, my hope would be we're going in four and O and we're coming out five and O. Right. Um, but I think if you go into Alabama four and one, you're going to come out four and two. And if you go into Tennessee four and two, you're going to come out four and three, and then you're going to be looking at a whole different season. So I think both of those are, you know, they're important in their own rights to, to seeing the season that we want to see. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Um, you know, those first five, like, like Miami, Auburn, Arkansas, like none of those are just like these juggernauts, but they're good. Like, like good, like solid teams that you just have to beat mm-hmm. and you need to beat with what you have on your roster and where this program, you know, where, like where we want to be as a program. Um, so yeah, I think there's something to that. If you drop one of those, you know, it's kind of going to, 
crush your confidence a bit hosting that big Bama game, you know, and then playing at Tennessee. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely uh, see that too. But yeah, you know, it's, it says here December second that we're at SEC Championship. Um, so I think that'd be a big game too uh, to, to win that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I hate this. It's an away game, you know. I know. Home yeah. Game this year. Uh, yeah. I think SEC Championship's got a pretty good team this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to know what their schedule looks like. Do they play anybody? Yeah. No, they, they, play, they didn't play nobody. They didn't play nobody. Um, yeah. Is there a – so I, I've I've finally come to like a, a conclusion on what my – like we always talk about the record that we want to have or need to have. Um, is there a record that you like maybe expect or that you would feel good with like like when we're sitting here in December and looking back at this? <sighs> I knew you'd ask that question yet. I wasn't prepared for it. Um, <laughs> I'd say, I'd say this off season, I mean, it was very clear that my excitement for AM football was at a, maybe not an all time low, but it was pretty low. Um, it just coming off last year, it just sucked. And it's just kind of like, eh, you know, really, I want that excitement back. So, so that's what I would, I would, I'd say if we say, if we go nine and three, I'm going to feel at the end of the season, how I feel right now. If we go 10 and two or better, I'm going to be excited again. Like I'll be, I'll be drinking the Kool-Aid 2024 is our year, all that kind of excitement. If we have a 10 and two or better year, um, we have a nine and three year. I just got, I, we got to get that 10th win. I'm just so that's ready to I'm have saying. that 10th win. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, but, but yeah, I, and, I, we need it back. You know, yeah. we need that 10th win. So I, I'm with you on that. And the thing is, it's not an unreasonable ask. Like, yeah, it's not asking like we're, it's, it's not like we're expecting us to go out there and go 15 and oh, just, you know, and, and whoop everybody yeah but with with the talent they've assembled and the coaching that they have and and all and the way the schedule is kind of lined out uh we, we we as fans should expect to go 10 to 2 that should be our expectation but with you know the last two years it's hard to really expect that you know because we like you can't really buy in until you see it and so i, I i'm I think I'm in the same wavelength as you on that, where if we were to go nine and three, your three losses can't be Bama, Tennessee, LSU, like all the other teams that are good are really Mm -hmm. good. Like you've got to have a big win in there for me to feel any kind of confidence about going nine and three. Like You've got to, you've got to beat Bama and maybe you drop at Ole Miss, which I would absolutely hate, but you know, I'd feel better about that than, just beating then, all the teams that are okay and losing all the good teams. Then it'll be like a 2012 situation where you're like, yeah, if we could have that Florida game back, you know, right. or man, if we could have just hit that field goal, you know? Um, so I'm with you there. I though, I mean, I'd say like, like really manageable, like you look at this schedule and you say, how possible is it for us to, beat everybody and lose to Alabama and Tennessee. I mean, that's 
that's very doable. Yeah. So it's not a huge ask, like you said. Now, it, it's it's a big accomplishment, but it's not, you know, for the amount of talent we have on this team, it's very, very possible. Yeah. Um, go out and beat everybody and drop the early game to Miami and drop a game to Bama, you know, or drop a game to LSU. That's 10 and 2, you know, like that's very, very possible. So that 10 win season is my expectation. Nine and three, maybe. If we go eight and four, I'm definitely feeling the way I feel right now, where I'm yeah. just like, and we're just perpetually screwed. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like, uh, like I, I feel like I'm, I'm about to repeat what I've said for the last year. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> like last year, like obviously, like we were not a good football team, but mm-hmm. even, even not being, uh, that good we still should have had a better record than we had last year like oh absolutely uh i like like every like most of those games were so close um you know you you probably should have beat auburn you probably should have beat ole miss um hell you had every chance to beat bama you know you were right there on the two-yard line Mm -hmm. and uh like i think people here you know like five and seven to ten and two that's a that's a big jump but is it really, is it really that big of a jump? Is it just like, yeah, I, f- I feel like 10 and two is just doing what we're supposed to do, you know? Right. And like, if we were sitting up here saying, Oh, we're going to be 11 and one, like that's, you know, that's going out there and saying, you know, maybe that's not the most likely outcome, but, uh, and you know, I'm trying to walk this tightrope between being a realist and being a, sh- a sunshine pumper that's drunk on Kool-Aid <laughs> and yeah. it's really difficult because, you know, it is, uh, like my expectation is, is high for this program and, and the talent that they have. Uh, and yeah, so, um, I don't think I've got any other thoughts here. I think, um, I'm pretty well set, but, um, any, uh, any closing thoughts? I don't believe so. I guess next week we'll just dive a little bit deeper into the schedule, kind of talk about individual teams, things we're seeing on them. Yeah, I think so. That's a, that's a good, uh, a good a good uh episode right there so um if you made it this far uh we appreciate you and um you can expect to hear that episode next week and we promise we will not spend uh an hour breaking down the roster again because you guys already know so <laughs> yeah you already know uh, the roster at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so things look good i don't know how good they're gonna be i, I just don't until we get there so yeah, I'm, ca- I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm just going to get that tattooed on my arm. Cautiously optimistic about <laughs> 2023 football season. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, he's Chase Caldwell. Uh, Hayden Garland is going to go bet the over at seven and a half. I'm Will Stone. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks.